Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Southside Soxes Sharing Socks. Uh, I'm Lee Allen, the SSS duty geezer, and with me, my son, and again, West Coast correspondent uh, Will, who uh, briefly was the living room correspondent during a visit to Chicago, and we're going to talk about that because we got to go to a ball game. We will, of course, talk about the elephant in the room. That would be the 76-year-old elephant in the room, as opposed to the 74-year-old youngsters such as myself. Uh, and we will get to that, and we will get to that, I guess, at length. You've probably heard everything there is to hear about it, but we all get to vent. So we'll do that. <laughs> We're recording this on Wednesday. We usually record Wednesday around noon, but since there was a day game, an early day game, an early and very fast day game uh, on this Wednesday, uh, we uh, waited to record until after the game, and I'm glad we did, because uh, for those of you without video, uh, Will has uh, Lucas Giolito in screamer mode, uh, pictured behind him, and Lucas was back. The guy who was having so much trouble placing just about any of his pitches, really, uh, had them all, even a slider, which is yeah, come and go when he's been good. Uh, the the changeup was great. Fastball was hitting. Slider was there. Uh, you know, the Twins are not a great hitting ball team, but they were just lost, uh, and <laughs> even more lost against Liam Hendricks in the ninth that he I was calling every pitch, and then Steve Stone was calling every pitch. And somehow or other, I don't get it. The Twins batters weren't listening to us. <laughs> they would have scored 11 runs if they listened to us. We knew exactly what the pitch was and exactly where it was going, and they, they didn't bother to listen. But, yeah, Giolito was back. That was great. I mean, talk about it. You know, this has been a week full of sort of stressful things for White Sox fans in a lot of ways. And Giolito – 
just sort of made me forget about all of that for two and a half hours. What an incredible bounce back from what we've seen from him. I mean, I, I don't think you and I ever doubted that Giolito was going to find his stride again. No. You know, he's a great pitcher. The skills there, mechanics are there. He was just, you know, kind of still working through some things. Today was exactly what we wanted and needed to have happen with him. The strut around the mound was back, baby. He looked like he was on fire. It was so fun to watch him pitch. He was working quickly. He was working efficiently. You know, he got through eight innings. He threw just over 105 pitches, maybe 110 when all said and done. Uh, he was hitting 96 on the radar on fastballs at, when he was past 100 pitches. But the best thing of all, the thing that was most amazing was that changeup. That changeup, which has not been the lethal weapon that it was over the last two years, it, it was not there for his for the first few starts of the season. This time, the changeup, holy cow! When he had it, and he didn't always have it today. But especially as the game moved on, he had it, and man, was it sweet. They were swinging and missing at very high changeups out of the zone, well out of the zone, which is I found bizarre. I thought that was just bad batting, but it could be just excellent disguise. One of the things Stoney kept mentioning during today's game was that Lucas had been working very, very hard on the slider, and the slider was not always effective today, but it was mostly effective, and if he has that as a regular pitch in his arsenal to go with the fastball and the changeup. Uh, just smooth sailing. That, that, so as long as he's got command. Absolutely. He's there. Uh, he had a slider that he threw to uh, Josh Donaldson that just made him look like a fool. Uh, it was probably around the sixth or seventh. It was on the first pitch. They it, it, was, it, was in, it was in the eighth that Donaldson pinch oh, hit in the eighth. Yeah, yeah, and, there you go. Yeah, it was a feeble at bat. It was a totally feeble at bat. And and it was a feeble at bat because Lucas came out firing with a slider that I can guarantee Josh Donaldson was not expecting. And it was a damn good slider. If Lucas is going to have three pitches working like that, and the slider really only has to work maybe, you know, 40% of the time for it to be a valuable weapon for him. Uh, if he's going to have three pitches going like he did today with the fastball, the changeup, and the slider, I mean, I'll be shocked if he gives up more than two runs in an outing for the rest of the year. It was so exciting to watch him pitch today. It, it was just like getting me fired up. You know, this this game was this was my breakfast television out here on the West Coast. And, you know, I've been a little under the weather and I'm drinking coffee for the first time in a couple of days. So I'm already getting jittery and uh, seeing, seeing those change-ups. Just, I'm, I'm, I'm standing up in my living room screaming at, at 11 in the morning because what I'm seeing is getting me so pumped. Uh, and then to see Hendricks come out, obviously last night, uh, Hendricks, you know, does what he does sometimes, gave up gave up the, the, the game, gave up the lead, blew it a little bit. But uh, to see him come out today and just, you know, sort of Got wipe even away. with Polanco. Yeah, yeah. And, and just wipe away any concerns uh, that I had, really. He just looked so great. And I don't know if you saw his little Conor McGregor strut afterwards uh, when they were high-fiving, but 
Uh, it was good to see him back, see him smiling. You know, we knew that we were going to win a lot of games by a, a hefty margin this year. We knew we were going to have a lot of games where we just flat out outscore people. A concern, especially with this bullpen, and especially kind of with Giolito early on, was are we going to win the close games? Last night, we didn't. We blew it. Today, I think, could be a game that turns that around for us. Obviously, we're having a great season, but if we can win these close games, I kind of think this team is unstoppable. If we look through the week, the week the team has been stoppable through the week. And splitting four games at home with Kansas City is not exactly a great achievement. Uh, right. Two out of three from Minnesota is good, but Minnesota, let's face it, stinks this year. We saw them beat Minnesota. We went. We actually got to go to a game together for the first time in two years, and uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was. Uh, we saw, and I was kind of disappointed in our own website when they they pick up who's the MVP of the game kind of thing, and did not post Billy Hamilton for that game, which was last Thursday afternoon. Billy saved five runs at least, and I one one was a leap at the wall, another one was just a run deep into left center and I thought how could anybody not recognize the greatness of that catch but I then watched the video and I see why because in person that was an incredible catch and video it's eh, it's pretty good catch Uh, you just didn't see the acceleration he had to have from the very beginning to catch up with a ball that was smoked into left center on the other hand I thought one of the high moments and we need to bring this up because other people will not have seen this we were sitting upper deck, uh, kind of at the edge of the grass behind third base. <laughs> I knew what and this was, was going to be. Routine fly ball to left center that Andrew Vaughn took off after, <laughs> and it was like watching a garter snake going through a lawn trying to hit a lawnmower. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> and he and then he caught the ball. You know, he was it's... laughing. Uh, Hamilton was in center. Hamilton, I think, was about to fall over laughing <laughs> watching him take that route. I mean, give Andrew Vaughn credit. He is aware of how ridiculous it looks when he's going after a routine fly ball. And give him credit that he catches them. So, yeah. you know, it's one of these things that we can absolutely laugh at because <laughs> I think that ball was about 15 feet away from him when all was said and done. But you know, like when a running back actually is cutting back across the field and runs about 75 yards to pick up three yards. That's what we were watching en route to that fly ball. And, and, and we, were, we, were, we had the tail end view. So we were watching it from behind yeah. him as he went toward left. Truly hysterical. I mean, we're just cracking up. And, and Hamilton, uh, yeah, you, you cannot – you cannot underappreciate the the speed and the acceleration and the break he gets to the ball. Honestly, either of those, if either of those go to the wall, you would not think that the ball was misplayed. You would think, oh, okay, those balls were crushed. Those are doubles. And especially the second one. The second one off the bat, I mean, I, I just said, oh, God, when that thing was hit. It was demolished. And then you look up, and somehow he's already there. It's just his instincts toward the ball are—they're unbelievable. He's it's slightly he's, better than Andrews. Yeah, he is. Yeah, exactly. He is. He is. Well, Andrew gets a good jump. He just jumps the wrong way, uh, or <laughs> and, at least. And, and this was—it was a case in that second one. And I have no reason why any listener would would remember back a week, but um, 
Whereas Snapcast, Snapcast does a probable percentage of it being a hit stat. But there are very big limitations to that stat. And the limitations are exit velocity, launch angle, and distance. There's it doesn't take into account where an outfielder was and the distance he had to go. It, it, it's just a standard, yes, if the launch angle is 23 degrees and it's 95 miles an hour and goes 360 feet, it's got a 75% chance of being a hit. Uh, there are so many other variables that go into the reality that that's really a stat that you got to kind of look at and go, okay, nice to know, but kind of thing. Yeah. That, that stat is definitely, uh, uh, oh, yeah, so it was a tough ball to get to type thing. <laughs> it, it's not one of those stats where you see it and you're like, well, we got to live or die by this thing. Meanwhile, uh, I, it looks like Jose should be back for the Yankees series that starts on Friday after missing the uh, Minnesota series uh, due to winning a game with a marvelous slide on uh, Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Probably a move he shouldn't have tried, <laughs> but it worked out real well and won the game. Um, but uh, did did it without him. Did not scored 16 runs without him uh, on uh, Monday. But J.A. Happ apparently should not pitch against the White Sox. I, I think that's fairly well established at this point. Uh, uh, did not score a lot of runs Tuesday. And I Wednesday, mean, J.A. Happ, it, it's not rocket science to say J.A. Happ shouldn't be pitching against the White Sox. You're talking Probably about, against anyone, but yeah, you're talking about a lefty, and a lefty pretty much just throws meatballs. So it's just you know, it's it's candy to these White Sox hitters, the right-handed hitters especially. They see Hap up there, and they're just foaming at the mouth. They're ready to swing at every first pitch. They just know they're going to tear that guy up. Um, we did actually see a really nice start from Shoemaker today. Um, is that wait? Is that his last name? Yeah, that's his last name. Yeah, yeah, he pitched uh, well. Twins pitcher he pitched a, pitched a really nice game. You know, it wasn't anything remarkable, but it was a, a really solid start. Uh, and last night, you we didn't see great pitching from that guy making his debut over, um, but he actually showed a little bit of promise as well. He's very young. He's very new to the league. Yeah, guy brought up from the minors for one game, so he he, he hung exactly. in there. Exactly, he did, did his job. It. Um, last night's loss was, was pretty, pretty pathetic, but, uh, it is really nice having smoked him in the first game and then to, to not let Giolito down. One big thing we have to do though, is just score more when Giolito is on the hill. You know, we, we just don't give him the run support that we need to be giving him. And, uh, fortunately today he brought the Giolito that doesn't need run support, uh, but it'd be nice if we could give the guy four or five runs uh, instead of two, okay. especially when you're playing a, a team like the Twins, which really. Well, I thought uh, this week we had we had that stretch where the tardy, where the starting pitchers, other than than Lucas, were absolutely dominant. You know, was it thirty innings of shutout ball or something? Um, they were not this week. Um, they were adequate. They did fine. Nobody lost a game for us as a starting pitcher. I mean, lost to the point we couldn't recover. Uh, but they weren't dominant, really, any of them. Uh, uh, Carlos had his, had his first bad game. And uh, Lynn, Lynn is, I mean, he gets out of trouble. Give him credit for getting out of trouble. But, boy, he gets in a lot of trouble and you, it's, you, it throws a lot of pitches. Yeah, I mean, Lynn's biggest problem is is the pitch count. 
I mean, he he's throwing, especially early in games, he's going out there and throwing 25 pitch innings. Well, you can't do that and make it very far. And he's a workhorse. He's a guy who can throw 125 pitches. But if you're throwing 25 an inning, that only gets you through five. Uh, we got to see him get a little bit more command. Um, he, he's just throwing too many balls. He's going deep with too many counts. Uh, guys are fouling the ball off. He's not fooling a lot of people right now. Uh, that being said, I'm not too worried about Lynn. I think Lynn is still extremely valuable, and he's going to be extremely valuable moving forward. These are all things that, you know, Lance Lynn knows he needs to work on. He's, he's a really solid pitcher. Again, a lot of people early on said, well, Lynn's our real number one, maybe. Uh, I totally no. disagree with that. I think no. Lynn is absolutely our number three, and I think he's one of the best number threes in all of baseball, and I think he will continue to be one of the best number threes in all of baseball. Giolito is still the one, and I'm glad that he came out today and and we were able to put that argument to rest. Keiko, uh, still a little struggle here and there, not with the command that he had, uh, at least the earlier part of last year, uh, really until the very last parts of last year. Uh, hard to say uh, what the problem is there, other than maybe just get old. Uh, we all do. Uh, Speaking of old, should we go on to the other uh, the other thing that happened? <laughs> well, well, first let's let's just talk about Keuchel uh, a little bit more. You know, Keuchel's always been plagued by back issues and injuries, and uh, I think if anything's contributing to him not being quite as in command as previous years, it's it's probably stuff like that. You know, he is getting older. Uh, it wasn't a bad outing, though. You know, he he's no. still a guy that I think we can depend on. Uh, to get out of the game at four runs or less. And with our offense, I think if we have a starter who's going to keep it under four over six innings, hopefully seven, but I know that's a stretch for him. Uh, yeah, I think we have a lot to look forward to with him too. I do think by the end of the year, you're looking at Rodon pitching the second round of a play, the second game of a playoff series uh, with Keifel and Cease, you know, potentially fighting over the, the game four scenario. We're a long way from there. A lot of things can happen between now and then. Uh, but I actually am still very, very positive on this rotation. The bullpen, the bullpen's another thing. We'll save that for another podcast. I'm just glad Liam Hendricks went out there today and got it done. That, uh, that helped a lot. But let's take a quick break, and we will come back and talk about what everybody's been talking about. And uh, believe it or not, I have some strong feelings uh, about what's been going on. Really? So uh, we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, welcome back to Sharing Socks. Uh, let's dive into it. Go ahead, Geezer. Well, uh, hmm, the elephant. Uh, today, and again, this is Wednesday. We don't have to tell people what happened with with. Uh, with the, your mean Mercedes and the 3 count, 45 mile an hour uh, loop ball comes in, boom, goes out of the park. Uh, Tony LaRuzza shows what an arrogant ass he is. Um, today, he took it even a step further because Lance Lynn, 
who played for La Russa 10 years ago, he was a rookie for La Russa. You kind of think maybe that's why we even got him. Um, had done a text where he said, you know, let him play ball. You throw a position player out there. Uh, there aren't, there are no rules that are, there are no unwritten rules anymore. When you throw a position player out there, uh, if you, if you went on written rules, throw a pitcher. So then La Russa did his thing today. Where, where he went, Lance has a locker, I have an office. He had pulled that crap, and I think it was with Colby Rasmus, 15 years ago, because he hated Rasmus. And, and he did this, he has a lot, players have a locker, I have an office, let's see who lasts longer. Let's hope he doesn't last longer. He is an arrogant jerk. And of course, we knew that, we've known that from day one, he's one of the biggest jerks to be involved since Ty Cobb and to be involved in this game. And he is not going to stop being that. He puts his own player under the bus. It's one thing to say, to think that, that your million Mercedes did something wrong by swinging at a 3-0 pitch in an 11-run game. If you think that's the case, you call the guy aside. You, you, have, you bring him back into your, your office that you have because you're the manager and you say, hey, we don't do that. You, you, I gave you a sign to take. Now, why anybody would bother to look for a sign when your 11 runs up and there is nobody on base? What's a sign going to be? Uh, I gave you a sign. And, and Lucy was saying things to the original. I, I came out of, the, out of the dugout, out of the dugout. To, bullshit. If he came out of the dugout, the ump's called time. Nobody called time. He did not come out of the dugout yelling about take, take, take. He no, you see, you see him doing it after. You see him out there yelling as After, when, when, when Mercedes is coming bases. around the bases. Yeah. Um, and if you're going to complain about signs, the day before, Juan Moncada ran through a stop sign at third base, got thrown out by a mile, and almost cost us a ball game. It certainly cost uh, Jose Abreu an injured ankle. Uh, players miss signs or, or disobey signs or whatever. And sure, you call them in the office. You say, don't do that. Pay attention. Joe says stop sign. Uh, whatever it may be. There's a rule in leadership that says – you praise in public, you chastise in private. It applies in sports, it applies in business, it applies if you're a teacher, if you're a parent, it doesn't matter. Any category, you praise in public, you chastise in private. He does it exactly the opposite because he's an arrogant jerk and he has to show you how damned important he is. I said way back when they first hired him, and I don't know if you remember this, when we were first doing these, these casts, that this season is going to be about La Russa. No matter how good the players are and how well they do, the season's going to be about La Russa, and he's damn well going to make it about him is the way it is, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's really only one way to put it at this point, and pardon my language, we don't use a lot of language on this podcast, but Tony La Russa is a bitch. He is. He is a whiny, old, arrogant, cocky bitch, and... I don't know if his whole theory is I'm going to be so unlikable that the players are all going to unite in their hatred of me. Uh, and that's, what's going to keep good the move, team together, which if that's the case, he's as good as everyone said he is because <laughs> he is alone in this thinking. That's the other thing that's mind blowing is aside from some cranky, you know, white Sox fans, some cranky old, you know, guys who, who don't know how to get a cranky old changed. guy, but you're a cranky old guy, but you, you, you still know that Tim Anderson is, is more exciting than Tony La Russa. 
There are some Sox fans out there who don't realize that. Those are the only ones siding with them. No one in baseball is siding with them. Uh, any any sports center people you listen to, any post-game guys you listen to, they're all siding with your meme and Lance Lynn. The Lance Lynn thing is psychotic. To say he has a locker, I have an office. Well, he shouldn't have an office. He's a freaking player. And he's way more important to this team than you. Since when are offices important for a baseball team? It, it's so delusional. And, you know, he, he, he looks drunk half the time. He seems drunk half the time. I hope he's not. I hope he's figuring all that out. I don't want to make that the reason we don't like Tony LaRusso because he's giving us many more reasons. We can talk about the your mean thing all day. You put a 300-pound catcher on the mound. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares if you win by by 12 or if you win by 11? It doesn't matter. What do you want your mean to do? Do you want him to take a walk so this game lasts even longer? This terrible, garbage, one-sided Little League baseball game we're watching, you want it to last longer? What do you want him to do? You want him to strike out so the whole internet can make fun of him like we did with Freddie Freeman when Rizzo struck him out a couple weeks ago? How come it's fun in games when Freeman strikes out to Rizzo, but when your mean does the thing that he's paid to do, the only thing he's paid to do since LaRusso won't let him catch a game? It's literally the only job your mean Mercedes has is to hit the ball. That is what's going to get him more money in a couple years. It's what's going to get him more respect. It's what's going to pump up the fan base. And also, LaRusa doesn't know this because he knows jack shit about anything. It's really hard to hit a 48-mile-an-hour pitch 420 feet. I mean, you're talking about a, a whole different level of power. He hit that ball out, and my first thought was, I can't believe he did that. And it wasn't because he hit the ball. It's because he hit the ball as far as he did. That's incredible. It's also a ball that was in on his hands. Oh, it was a remarkable at that. And what do you want him to do? Do you really want him to walk? I mean, it's, it's one thing if it's a real pitcher. Okay, obviously we can all agree if it's a real pitcher, you take that pitch. You still got to swing at the next one if it's a strike. You're not, you're not, your job's not to strike out in Major League Baseball. All we do is talk about how we don't want people striking out. But, but know, when you bring in a position player, and the position player is not only not a pitcher, but isn't even trying to throw a pitch that can get a guy out. That was the thing, one of the things to me. Most position players, when they come in and throw, really try to throw. I mean, yeah. most of them pitch it at some point in their lives, at least as far as high school. I uh, I don't know if you're Alexei would come in and he'd throw high 80s curve and, and curveballs and he'd laugh. The position I mean, players laugh if they get you out and nobody cares because it's funny. Um, you're but because they were here. they were still trying when Freddie Freeman yeah. struck out, Rizzo actually got him on a pitch. You know, it wasn't like Freeman was up there just goofing off. Rizzo got him, and that's what made it fun. But you got this guy up there, and people keep saying he threw an Ephus pitch. I'm like, that's not, it's not an Ephus pitch if you throw four, if it's the only pitch you throw, and they're all 48 miles an hour. It just means you're lobbing it. That's all it is. It's not an Ephus pitch. You're just, well, you know, you're mean, you're mean pitched against Boston. Remember the game where Tony gave yeah. up six runs, six runs down in Boston, one of the best run scoring parks in baseball. And Tony gave up and put in position players. And you're mean pitched and, Boston stole a base on him. 
we didn't feel we had to throw at them. If there's an unwritten rule that you don't steal in a blowout game, that one really yeah, wasn't a that's blowout number one. To me, yeah. to me, there's there's one absolute rule on a blowout game, and that is you don't do anything that could result in injury to another player, which means you don't go sliding hard into second to break up a double play. You don't go crashing into a catcher. There's no reason to do that. That That's just nasty. You don't uh, even – you and, actually – you, you hold a third if you think there could be a play at the plate just because you do want to prevent that possible injury. If you're up by a ton, you don't need to send the guy rounding, you know, huffing home so that you have a close play at the plate where the catcher can get hurt. But that's really it, you know, and stealing the base. But that's that's just because of the injury stuff. This whole don't swing at a ball that's comically – it's an insult to the batter to lob a ball like that right over the plate. I mean – what, who are you protecting? These are millionaires. These are millionaires. And do you think? Do you really think La Tortuga is going home that night going, man, I must not be good at baseball because he really got a good lick on that 48-mile-an-hour <laughs> heater I threw? No. He doesn't care. What, what does he care? Everybody, he acted like he cared, but I think it was because he had an ERA of zero 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 going in because he pitched an inning before, and now it's four fifty, so he's bothered. But he acted know, like he cared because the ball got crushed off him. You don't want that, but that but, doesn't mean it wasn't legal. Beyond the fact that he's an arrogant jerk, we get into an, an incompetent of personnel matters into Larusa's general incompetence. The very next day, Tuesday's game, tie game. Ninth inning, man on first, I believe Mokata. I mean, I mean, I believe Mercedes uh, on first with one out. Adam Eaton to bat against a left-hander. Minnesota cannot replace the left-hander. It's the third batter of the inning. He can't come out. Besides which, they've got nobody warming up. Has to be a left-handed pitcher. Adam Eaton is up. Eaton is two for 18 against lefties this year. He's career horrible. He cannot hit left-handers. He can't do it. But he's got Mendick on the bench, who has played four games in right field. So we know he can go in. And is coming off a grand slam. Coming off a grand slam the day before. hits. I looked it up, 238 against right-handers. That's not great, but it beats 111 all the hell. And he lets Eaton stay in to strike out, which could have cost the game. Well, may have cost the game. Uh, He's a terrible manager in so yeah. many ways and he talked about well they got to know the unwritten rules he doesn't know the written ones he didn't know the written one for a man on second and extra innings and that so Hendricks was out there he didn't know the 25 seconds that you have to uh early in the season the one to to make uh, an appeal uh it's pathetic it's just yeah, pathetic I, I, I kept thinking Rick Khan has got to be in Minnesota he's got to have gone to he's got to have gotten on a plane and gone to Minnesota not for a public display, but to to get Lewis aside and say, knock it the hell off. Um, and he's not. I mean, James Fox said that, that Han and Williams were, were both still in Chicago. That's shameful. Neither one of those has a gram, a gram of manhood. Nah, uh, they, they, are, should, they should have quit that. in October. They should have quit when it turned out about the DUI. They should have quit when they found out that, that Reinsdorf knew about the DUI and didn't tell them. These are guys who are employable anywhere. It's not like, oh, they quit. They'll never, never get another job. Hans, the executive of the year in Major League Baseball, at the time that he should have quit, there were at least three or four general managers' jobs open, including the Mets. Uh, 
Yeah, you, you I could have had any of them. I mean, the big issue, uh, aside from Larissa having just an absolutely disgusting character, is the fact that he is also bad at managing baseball now. You know, there's there's this whole thing uh, for people out there who watch The Office. Uh, you know, they did a British version, they did an American version, and in the American version, they had to actually make Steve Carell's character good at his job because they said that in America, you wouldn't get to keep that job if you were that awful in terms of character, <laughs> but also couldn't make sales. And right now, what we are looking at is a version of Michael Scott, of Steve Carell's character, that is that awful, that is misogynistic, that is racist, that is garbage, who also can't make sales. And this team, fortunately, is good enough to overcome that. Yes, but it is costing us wins. It is absolutely costing us wins. Guys like Paul Sullivan and that jerk for Forbes. You talk about oh, stupid old guys. They're, they're younger than I am. And they're Bill Rogers. Idiot. Yeah. Rogers. Rogers is an idiot, uh, for sure. They're de- they're defending it. Well, the look at the team is in first place, and they're twenty six and fifteen, and 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 what? Hey, you could manage them to this record. I could do it. Your mother could do it. And she doesn't like baseball or know much of anything about it. You could bring somebody off the street, and they could manage this team. That all you got to do to manage this team is if 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 you drag somebody out of the stands and said you're the manager today, just have them turn to Ethan Katz and say, "Let me know when to replace a pitcher." And turn yeah. to Frank Mendicino and uh, tell me if a batter is doing something wrong. And and turn to Miguel Cairo and says, remind me what the rules are. Uh, <laughs> that's all there is and to then, it. And then you turn to Tim Anderson and say, you do the rest. Like, that, that's <laughs> yeah. really all it is. You know, when that was all going down, when they were throwing at your meme, Anderson was the one out there fighting for his teammate and saying, get that shit out of here. Not Larusa. Larusa said, what's it, what's it going I, "I don't play cool with it. it. I don't play I'm, 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 I'm cool. Get with out it. of here." And I don't know to what degree Duffy actually intended harm. He threw a kind of behind I mean, he, him. He, he tried to hit him, but it wasn't really. That he wasn't. Nasty. He wasn't it really, was, really trying. You know, it, and, it was. And, and it was. Duffy I got to do this. He and didn't play this at all kick, either. I got a kick out of Baldelli because <laughs> my, when I take the Baldelli committee and Steve uh, Stoney was saying. Well, usually the manager gets kicked out. I don't understand. The manager always gets kicked out when the pitcher gets kicked out because obviously somebody had to tell the pitcher to do it. Uh, I, <laughs> Mike, when I envisioned the conversation, well, Dilly didn't even look pissed off. <laughs> he came out, and, and what he looked like to me was he was going, look, you got to kick me out, really. <laughs> Please kick me out. It's going to look really, really bad if I don't get kicked out with my guy. They're not going to think I have my guys back. Uh, please kick me out. I'm sorry, I'm not going anywhere. I got to keep arguing here until you kick me out. Ump's going. Jeez, okay, all right, you're out of here. <laughs> yeah, you know those ump's are sitting there going, dude, you have to cuss at least or something because <laughs> what are we gonna do? You're not even getting angry. Kick some dirt yeah, yeah, on no, me. No, because... Don't don't hit me. I don't I don't want that. But you know, <laughs> I don't want you to get suspended or fine. But like you know, throw your hat down or something, man. Because what are we gonna do? And it became dirt. kicking dirt's a good one. <laughs> it became so apparent that this was going to go on until he was thrown out. <laughs> There's no reason he should have been thrown out of the game other than the fact that the ump was sitting there going, oh, my God, we're never going to go home if we <laughs> out of the game. I mean, this is never going to end. He's going to stay out here all night. And then he gets thrown out, 
doesn't argue it at all. Watson just says, leans over to the bench coach, and it's just like, uh, you got this, right? <laughs> and then goes away and finished watching while playing video games in the dugout. Who cares? Uh, it was so ridiculous. I do think that's all the time we have for today. Let's end there. Um, you know, give us your thoughts on this uh, whole debacle. You know, as, as Steve Stone said on Twitter, now it's time to just, you know, move on from that. But I do think we need to address that uh, Larusa is doing a bad job in all aspects of his job. This, sure. is not, this is not just about attitude. This is not just about not backing up your team, which is mind-blowing to me. But it's about also making all the wrong decisions as a coach. Uh, you can't defend that at the major league level. I don't care how blind you are to new baseball and how, how these guys go out and play. But the good news is nothing is going to stop these guys. Nothing's going to stop no. them. The team, the team is so good. No, the team is so good. Uh, we're going to find how how good coming up, although uh, the tension has gone a little bit, but a trip to New York is always a big adventure. Giancarlo Stanton just went on the IL. Gilbert uh, Torres is on. The Yankees are missing a lot of their, their big bats, but they're still a whole lot better than pretty much any of the teams we've played. Here's the most exciting thing to look out for. I think this is the marquee thing. Actually, I don't even know. Are we going to get Garrett Cole? I don't even know if we are. Do you know if we're going to face Garrett Cole? I don't know if we're facing Cole or not. I didn't check. I should have. All right. Well, if we are, the biggest, most exciting thing in this whole matchup is whether or not he walks Grandall. Because <laughs> Garrett Cole. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to – I won't start it because I wanted to get it. I don't I, – I, Quickly, I, I can do this. I, I figured out the grand doll thing. Besides the, the thing where he had a walk yesterday where he, he had six strikes going to him and the umpire called four from balls, which is a fairly typical thing. But it, more typically, even his pitchers really do walk him. And and he's a 130 hitter. And I figured it out. It's go, this is going to take more time than it should. But this goes back. Your mom was once at a luncheon where Rick Bettino. Oh, my God. We're going, we're going back to luncheon. But this days? is important. This is one of the most important things that I ever learned about coaching. Rick Pitino was a, was a Kentucky coach, and he spoke at the luncheon. And the year before, the Cats had lost in the final four to Arizona in the closing seconds. And he said, it was my fault. It was totally my fault because we had a timeout. We had a play set. We knew what we were going to do. We were going to win this game. And as they left the huddle and went out on the floor, I said, don't throw the ball away. And he said, absolutely crucial error. I never should have said that. I realized that as soon as I said it, you never leave with a negative. Never. If I had said, make sure of your passes, we win that game, national championship, done. So I said, don't fall the ball away. Five seconds later, I threw the ball away, and that was the end of the game. I think pitchers go out there now, out there now against Yasmani Grandel, and they go, don't walk this guy. Yep. Don't walk this guy. And, and they bounced. I mean, the, one of the ones on Tuesday night, I think two of them bounced and the other two were over his head. <laughs> there, I mean, there is, there is no explanation for it outside of exactly what you just said. It's that whole, like, you know, if you tell someone not to laugh, they're almost guaranteed to laugh thing. Uh, I think you're exactly right. <laughs> I think he walks up to the plate and the pitchers see a strike zone this big for some reason, and they just go nowhere near that thing. It's it's really absurd. Uh, but I, I actually 
I think you are 100% correct. That's what's going on. Uh, and I can't wait to see if, if, if Yasmani Grandal breaks Garrett Cole's no-walk streak. Uh, I, I don't know if we're going to face him, so this could all just be for fun. But uh, it's going to be a great week, an exciting week going to New York. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, that's all the time we have for sharing socks. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.